Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Pretty Political. This week, we're talking about how to build wealth and knock down debt. Let's get into it. If you're like me, I have not always made the best financial decisions, but a part of me adulting and trying to become a big girl, I'm making better decisions on how I'm spending my money. And this episode definitely helped. You know, I'm in the stock market these days. I am dabbling. Okay. I know I'm investing. I feel like, you know, a whole new woman lately. I don't really know how it works, to be honest, you know. When you you join these tech companies, you get a little little package. And so part of that has been, you know, just me learning how the market works in general. And now I'm like, you know, looking into like, you know, other things and other ways, other methods of investing. Um, So, yes, I, I do recommend you guys get into it, listen to this episode and just kind of do your own research and, you know, look at your bank accounts and see what works for you. Yeah, that's actually something that I wrote down for 2022. I really wanted to learn the stock market. Like I've been taking like private classes for a few months now. And I'm oh, still, wow. girl, I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be in the classes and we recorded on Zoom and he's like, do you have questions? I'm like, I'm gonna go back and watch the recording. Now, y'all know, don't nobody ever go back and watch the recording. Even in class, like they usually record our lectures. I'm like, oh, I'll go back and watch that. I never do. You know what? Now that you bring that up, I remember my freshman year of college, I had to take a class on like financial literacy and I was so excited for it. And I really don't remember nothing, but I four pointed it. I don't. I remember we had to learn about like Roth IRAs and we had to make a budget for a family, all stuff that would be very valuable to me now. But maybe I should have waited to like senior year because I have no idea where those notes went. So shame on me. I feel like the... At this point, the financial advice that I kind of go by is that my dad taught me probably when I was a kid, like, don't spend more than you have. Like, if you have $100, you don't spend $150. You spend $50 or $75 or whatever. And my mom always taught me to put some away in savings. But now it's time to, like, learn more steps, like where Mm -hmm. to invest our money, how to make our money work for us, those kind of things. So I thought I was doing really good by having just like money in my bank account, like saving a part of my check. And someone told me like your money isn't doing anything for you. Right, right. And, you know, and sometimes just saving in general, though, like that is the hardest part because you got to make sacrifices. So for me, a hard sacrifice I decided to do was like move back from my parents for a while to save some of that money. Now, that is not what I recommend necessarily, but that that's an example of like a big one. I decided to save a lot. I did. I saved a lot um and then now it's like okay okay you saved a good job now what what's next what do you do with it does it sit there do you use it for something I too (laughs) am living at home and saving money and for me it was just a lifestyle thing like I know because I'm in law school I cannot work like full-time so I don't really have a real income I have like side stuff that I get little money from but it's not a real income so I know that if I was living somewhere I would be struggling and I don't want to struggle like I'm comfortable 85 percent of the time at home Mm-mm. I didn't struggle and I ain't never struggling no more. <laughs> I always remind myself like what I'm working towards like it's there at the end of the tunnel. Like I can see it. It's like I'm reaching out. I just have a few more, you know, 
paces to run and I'll get there. But it it is about like making sacrifices now. It mm-hmm. is. And you know what? Like, you know, going back in our conversation a little bit, like now we are doing the work of like, you know, learning how our finances work. And I know people that I remember being in college and this kid was like, they were talking about the stock market and their investments and it was just going completely over my head. And, you know, a lot of it still goes over my head, but like we were probably 18 years old. And so they had already been like fully schooled on how things work as a kid and growing up. So I think that is like an important thing to talk about when we we, we think about generational wealth. Mm-hmm. It's not just like kind of passing down the money, but also passing down that knowledge. So you know, just like thinking forward, like I would love to be able to like, you know, have investments for my kids and stuff. Me too. Me too. And you'll, you'll see things like where parents will talk about, which obviously this is not nothing I'm looking into because I don't have no kids, but where they'll talk about like certain accounts they have for their kids so that when your, your child turns 18, you know, if they want to go to college, if they want to start a business, whatever, they have money available to them that they don't have to be drowning in debt because, you know, we get a lot of promises from politicians to clear that debt. That debt has not been cleared as of yet. <laughs> Broken promises. Oh, <laughs> yes. Look, let me tell y'all because thank God they they decided to pause these student loans a little bit longer, a couple more months. But like, I I had no intentions to really pay them anyways. Like, <laughs> I really, I have been chilling since they put them on pause a couple years ago. I know yours are like, your, yours are paused anyway because you're in school actively. So you don't have to pay them back. But I looked at what they expected me to pay. I said, oh no, you will not be getting this from me. Take it up with Biden. Um, unfortunately, they still have not figured that out. Um, but until they do, they haven't figured it out. They have chosen in action. <laughs> until until they do, my loans will be waiting there for them. <laughs> Let me stop. That is not good advice. Don't listen to me, y'all. You gotta pay something on them. You know, it is what it is. I know some people who have deferred their loans for years now, though, but. I digress. But we kind of got, that's like a little bit of a policy discussion. And so this season, we're going to be bringing on a few financial experts. And I think that that's really important, especially, you know, for people, I think our demographic is more people around our age entering the workforce, blah, 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 blah. But I want to make it clear from my own perspective is that I know that you cannot budget your way out of poverty. I know that poverty is also That is also a policy decision that our government has made to not remove the weight of poverty off the backs of its citizens, especially minorities, people of color, Black folk. Um, Mm -hmm. And so by giving these episodes, this is advice for people who have money or who have money to put away to invest or who have money to, you know, do some of these things. I completely understand that if you are working all the time or what? whatever, if you can't work full time, if you have $400 of bills each week and you make $300, there's no amount of budgeting, um, sacrificing, whatever that's going to change that. So I always want to make it clear that I we're coming from that perspective. Raise the minimum wage. It's just so, ugh, it's so much they could do, but they choose to do nothing. But okay, we are ranting at this point. Let's get into our conversation with Alexis, y'all. Take note, 
Alexis Howard is founder of Financially Brave, where she works with a personal finance coach to help beginners save, eliminate debt, and invest in the stock market. She is a firm believer that creating a beautiful and healthy financial reality is less about how much you make and far more about what you do with what you make instead. Thank you, Alexis, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know as a person who is kind of just still starting off early in their career, and I I personally don't know much about what to do with my money or where I should be investing or, you know, how I should be setting myself up for the future. So we really, really wanted to get a financial expert on here because we figured a lot of our listeners are in the same position. Right. Yeah, no, um, the best part about investing is that it's accessible to so many people um, you know, regarding irrespective of the tax bracket that you fall in or how much you make. So I'm really excited to kind of dive a little bit deeper and share some of my favorite investing tips. Awesome. So what do you think are the beginning steps for someone who wants to just jump their feet in and start investing? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, probably one of the most common questions people ask me is like, what do I do first? Like, what, where do I begin? And what is really important to understand when it comes to investing is that you have to have, when it comes to investing in the stock market, the way I talk about it is through, you know, investing in like index funds or or also known as mutual funds. To do that, you have to have cash. You have to. So the first step in the process is learning how to manage your money in a way that gives you some extra cash at the end of your pay period or the beginning of your pay period or the beginning of the month or the end of the month, however you prefer, but have some cash available to you so that you can put it into the stock market. That's the hardest part for most people. You know, you can't invest with rocks or pencils or something random like that. You have to be able to put dollars into your account. So, you know, are you budgeting in a way that leaves you with $100 or $200 or $300 at the end of the month? That ultimately is going to make the greatest difference for you in your experience as an investor. Look, sometimes I feel like my bank account is just rocks. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so are there any platforms that people should be using to invest or just any money management sites um, in general? I know I use Mint. I've also heard of people using like Robinhood and apps like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I typically encourage people to try out just traditional brokerage firms. So um, some really common ones that people are familiar are, are so familiar with are, you know, Vanguard or Fidelity, Schwab, those are all very popular platforms. Um, I look at that question almost kind of like, you know, where should I go to get like hamburger meat? Like it doesn't, you know, you can go to several different grocery stores. They're all going to offer very similar products. Um, again, the issue is really going to be about, do you have the money to buy the hamburger meat in the first place? Do you get what I'm saying? So there's a lot of entities that are going to offer investment vehicles. You shouldn't put too much. I mean, it's important to understand maybe the minimum to get started um, or any sort of expenses associated with the account. But the biggest thing is, are you in a position right now? Are you budgeting in a way that allows you to go to the grocery store to get that hamburger meat? Are you in a position to go to Rob with Robinhood or with Schwab or Fidelity or whatever? Um, but ultimately the platforms offer very similar products. That's really good to know. And I like what you said earlier about setting money aside every pay period or Mm -hmm. every so often. So it sounds like Mm -hmm. investing is something that we should be constantly thinking about. So what are some, okay, great. So what are some other important factors that we should be considering when we're deciding what types of stock to purchase? So when it comes to what types of stocks to purchase, this can get very tricky and a little bit nuanced because everyone has different 
um, preferences, if you will, when it comes to investing. So between the three of us, right, maybe we're around the same age, definitely part of the same generation. I might be totally okay with going with, let's just say, putting my, you know, my investments in a certain stock or a certain account with Fidelity, where one of you might feel completely uncomfortable doing it. And it's not that my way is right, the right way and your way is the wrong way or vice versa. It's just that we have different appetites in the market. So when it comes to kind of knowing what type of portfolio you need to get into, really depends on two common things. One is what is your comfort with risk? There's certain portfolios that are riskier than others. So if you look at a portfolio that is, you know, in tech or large cap stocks, that's typically going to be more aggressive or more quote unquote risky than being invested in a portfolio of bonds. Um, so first, you really want to understand, like, where do I fall on that spectrum? Am I okay right now with taking on a little bit additional risk so I can get the potentially higher return? Or am I just not okay with that at all? Do I have a portfolio that's a little bit more conservative, a little bit, quote unquote, more safe and opt for that way? So that's the first part. And the second part is just knowing the value of time. So for any investor, it's really important to, you know, understand that the longer you are invested, so basically the earlier you get started, the longer your money can actually have the time to grow. So it's better to get started in your 20s than it would be getting started in your 30s and better get started in your 30s than your 40s, so on and so forth. Because the longer your money has in stocks, uh, the longer time your money has invested in the stock market, there's more potential that is available to that money over time. Really, really, really good stuff to know. Another thing that I've I've seen people talking about recently is like investing in like real estate. So do you think mm-hmm. that like other forms of investment is just as important as like putting your money into the stock market? Or do you think you maybe need to like wait a while and work your way up to maybe buying, you know, real estate investments? That's a really great question. I, you know, one thing that I teach my students and my clients is that Um, There's so many different ways to build wealth and investing in the stock market is just one of them. Of course, you can start a business. Like you said, you can get into real estate. Um, Those are like kind of like the common avenues that you hear about people really building wealth for themselves. I don't think that there's anything wrong with getting into real estate with the intent to invest in property. One, you should definitely know what you're doing or work with somebody who has expertise in that field. That that would not be that would not be me. Um, but yeah, knowing knowing someone who can kind of give you that the information that you need to invest in properties, that is definitely a, a way to, to to make money and to build wealth. Um, but the one thing I really like about investing in the stock market is that you can have that playing for you in the background. You could be making that $200 contribution to your investment account each and every single month while you're also investing in property or while you're also building a business and, you know, working at a nine to five. So you can have all these different areas of wealth working for you. You don't just have to be committed to the stock market, but when you are looking to invest outside of, well, when you're looking to invest anywhere, whether it's the stock market or in real estate, or you're building a business, it's just important to make sure that you're getting solid advice and that you're learning from people who are qualified to teach. That's so important, like mentorship and making sure you're mm-hmm. really um, intentional about, you know, what you're doing with your money. And I love what you said yeah. about just $200 a month, which may not be a lot mm-hmm. to some people. Now, it may be a lot to right. some, it may not be a lot to others, but I want to transition right. the conversation a little bit and talk about budgeting. Um, it's something yeah. that I <laughs> struggle with and would love to hear your tips <laughs> on how somebody should go about just starting a budget. 
Yeah. So when you're starting a budget, I would recommend that the first thing is just to kind of take inventory of where you're at right now. What are your expenses? You know, what is your income? When you take away your expenses from your current income, what is that netting you with? If you make $3,000 in take-home pay and you are spending $3,000 a month, then there's something that needs to be reconfigured. Either, you know, you need to reevaluate the living situation, what's causing your rent to be so high or your mortgage payments to be so high, or maybe you have a lot of um, uh, lifestyle lifestyle needs that you need to kind of readjust or reevaluate. But first and foremost, is just getting a snapshot of where you're at. Um, and that's going to start by kind of breaking down those expenses. So, for instance, the first example was if you're you're netting zero, so three thousand is what you make, and you're you're spending three thousand a month. You're going to have to reevaluate because that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That puts you at zero dollars. You cannot invest with zero dollars. You have to have money to invest. So now it's okay. How can I create a budget, or how can I create a system where instead of me netting three thousand dollars, I'm actually netting two thousand, or with my expenses only being three thousand dollars? How can I change it so my expenses are two thousand dollars? What can I eliminate? What can I move around? So that, you know, in this example, you have $1,000 to work with at the end of the month and you can divvy that up between your savings and investing in the stock market or towards debt or something like that. So it really starts with just knowing where you're at and then kind of planning, planning for what it is that you need. Some people really want to focus on tackling their debt. Some people really want to focus on saving. Some people want to focus on investing in the stock market. But before you can, you know, efficiently do that, you need to know where you're at and adjust your numbers accordingly so that you're able to effectively tackle those goals. And while we're talking about managing our money, I know you shared that mm -hmm. you were able to save $25,000 in one year mm -hmm. on a five mm -hmm. year salary at the time. Mm -hmm. So can you mm -hmm. lay out to the listeners how you were able to do that? Because we all want to know. Yes, minimalism, minimalism. So that's with having housemates. That's with uh, when I was hanging out with friends instead of, you know, I had just turned, I was, well, I was in like my early 20s. So I was able to, you know, legally go to bars and clubs. Um, instead of doing all that, it was having game nights at my house. It was about, you know, making sure that I was really retaining as much as I could from my paycheck. And with that salary, the less than five figure salary, it wasn't like a 90,000 salary. It was closer on average, I would say it was about $65,000 that I was able to do that on. Um, so, you know, it was really just about buckling down and putting only the essential, the essential needs first and, you know, making that my only priority. So it was the year of getting off of Instagram. I didn't, I, I deactivated my social media account, so I wouldn't be tempted to travel like my friends or tempted to spend due to some Instagram ad popping up. It was about me just being very intentional about everything in my life. And when I buckled down, I was able to do 25K in a year. You are incredibly disciplined and I hope that your discipline somehow seeps through the call and gets <laughs> because I need that. Or do you think that there are some things that we should be doing maybe daily, weekly, monthly, or even yearly as it relates mm -hmm. to our finances? I think a really, people have to understand that the financial journey is more so psychological than it is anything else. And it's really about you know, stopping the need for always wanting to have more and always wanting to keep up with the Joneses and being okay with what you have. So essentially gratitude, that was huge in my journey of the year of saving. You know, I was so thankful for everything that I had where I felt like I didn't, I didn't need to 
buy anything to, to fix that. I didn't need a pair of jeans or a pair of expensive shoes, or I didn't need to prove anything to anyone because I was just so happy with where I was at. So I would encourage anyone who's looking to really kind of change their mindset or their relationship with money. Start with, it starts with, it starts inside, you know, um, start with gratitude, wake up daily and just be thankful for having a roof over your head. If you're able to listen to this podcast right now, you have a phone, you likely have a laptop, um, you know, you likely have access to clean water. These are things that many people don't have access to. And so just really being able to appreciate where you're at in life has a tremendous impact on how you're spending. Um, I would also say watching documentaries that talk about minimalism can be very inspirational. So constantly the game really is, you know, you said earlier, like you're extremely disciplined and yes, I would say I, I can be good at discipline and I am pretty good at it, but it is a constant journey and no one, I don't think is ever always motivated. There's just, life has ups and downs, it ebbs and flows. And so how you maneuver that experience is by, constantly keeping yourself in a state of inspiration and in a state of feeling good. And when you feel good, then you, you act well, you act accordingly. Um, so, you know, constantly watching documentaries on minimalism or, um, you know, just motivational speeches, all of that will keep your spirits lifted and will help you make better decisions with your money as corny as that may sound. It doesn't sound corny at all to me. I think gratitude all the way around in all aspects of your life would change the game for you. And, you know, keeping up with the Joneses will mess you up every single time because you do not need to spend <laughs> check on the bag. <laughs> like, you know, leave it in your, leave it in your savings sometimes. Um, well, right. Well, speaking of that, um, what mm-hmm. type of accounts should people have? Like, what do you recommend all of our listeners have when it comes to managing their personal finances? Let's see. So it's really hard to answer specific questions about what people should have because people have different goals and desires and needs. So I'll preface with that. But I will say the common framework for most people is that one, you have a savings account, right? And that's just something where you can have cash available to you in the event of an emergency. So savings is never, ever, ever for building wealth. You just will not get wealthy out of your bank account from Bank of America or Wells Fargo. That's not what they're structured for. It's really about just storing cash in the event of your car tires, not, you know, they pop and you need to replace them. There's a medical emergency and you need cash and you don't want to rely on debt to cover that need. So a savings account is one. And then typically speaking, um, most people have like a 401k or an IRA to cover, um, to start planning for retirement, retirement needs. So having like a retirement account is really great. And then an individual account outside of that. So an individual account, a retirement account has investments inside of it, stocks and bonds. Um, and a retirement, uh, an individual account has stocks and bonds inside of it too. It's just not for retirement. It's just a standard investment account. So I would say the three is a great framework for a lot of people, but again, it's never one size fits all. That's really good advice. Now, let's say someone is listening, maybe they just got their first job or they're transitioning out of college into the workforce. What do you think are maybe the first few steps they should take toward um, their financial journey? Yeah, so that will also depend on how they specifically want to go about it. If they are graduating from an American university, it's likely that they have student debt. 
And so, you know, there is kind of, I feel like a war between two different groups of people where one is like completely like invest while you have student debt. And another group is like, no, eliminate all of your student debt and then invest. Right. So, um, again, there's not really a right or wrong answer, but depending on your situation, one, one direction might be better than the other, but typically speaking for a college student, I would say one, make sure you have your savings in check. That should be for everyone. You should always have cash available to you. So you have savings in check. And then um, if you want to start investing while you have student debt, open up an investment account at a brokerage firm and, you know, tackle some of your debt and then also invest on a monthly basis. And then if you don't want to do that and you want to focus on um, eliminating all of your debt first, then after you've saved, focus on that alone. And then once you're done with eliminating your debt, then start investing. Well, thank you so much for these awesome tips, because I know I definitely am in the position where I want to get serious about my money and setting myself up for my future and being in the best position possible. And I, especially for young Black women, like I wish that for everyone Mm -hmm. to kind of get Mm -hmm. your finances and your life in order. um, And then, you know, get the Louis bags. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> but um, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I predominantly work out of just my Instagram brands. So Financially Brave at Financially Brave. Um, and I post educational content on my page frequently. And I also have a link on my in my bio to learn a little bit more about my services. I offer an investment course, which teaches people how to invest in the stock market and step-by-step how to open that account and fund it. And then I also have a separate budgeting course, which teaches people what softwares and what sort of uh, templates to use when they are looking at, you know, managing their money and learning how to use that money to save and eliminate debt and invest. So great programs. And you can get that all on my page. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us today. We encourage everyone to go and check out Financially Brave and to just begin to take those first steps in your financial journey, whether it's just sitting down and looking at your expenses, as she mentioned, or setting aside a few hundred dollars every month to start investing. These things are like extremely important. And we're so grateful to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Great conversation. This week's tweet of the week comes from our incredible guest, Alexis. She writes, if you took five steps forward and then two steps back, you are still three steps ahead of where you started from. Keep going. Thank you so much, Alexis, for your incredible advice. Everyone give Alexis a follow. Let us know how you feel about this episode. Let us know some things that you would like to talk about this season. And until next week, this has been Pretty Political.